Welcome to the Linked Up Church Podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, Pastor Joel Gregory brings the next installment of this powerful Connect 40 series entitled The Four Foundations of Faith. Get your pen and your pad ready, and let's go into the worship center and hear what God has for us today. We are in week three of uh, 40 Days of Faith, our our Connect 40 campaign. And today, we're going to pick up talking about four foundations of faith. And my goal is to get a little further in this service than I did uh, in the first service. We covered enough to help them. But I want to get a little further with this service today because I know a lot of you all are are new to the church. And so, uh, you can follow along in the Version Bible app, also our Linked Up Church app. Uh, But again, I'm going to give you more than what's in that outline. So take notes along with the outline so that you can make sure you have all of the information. And whatever we don't finish today, you have the outline to take home and pick up. Let's look at our introduction. So we're continuing this 40 Days of Faith campaign. We know we're on this uh, spiritual journey designed to strengthen and build our faith for the purpose of seeing God's miraculous power released in and through our lives. We know God gave us faith, letter A, to lay hold of all of God's promises. All of God's promises are yes and amen, but they're not automatic. We have to attach our faith in order to appropriate those. Also, God gave us faith to overcome life's challenges. How many of you know life is challenging? Anybody experienced that? Life is challenging all by itself. But God gave us something to overcome it because this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And then God gave us faith to walk in God's peace and joy. These are things that when we became born again were deposited in us, but we have to develop those and we have to attach our faith to them in order to walk in it. God's provision, his protection, his healing, his deliverance. All of these things were a part of the salvation package, but we have to attach our faith uh, to those in order to live in them. So last week, uh, we looked at the essentials for developing overcoming faith, and they were faith is always for something. So God just doesn't give us faith to say that we have faith. He gives us faith to use it. Faith is always for something. We looked at who has faith. We looked at it as our responsibility to develop and grow our measure of faith. God gave all of us at salvation a measure of faith. It is our responsibility to develop and grow it. We looked at what is faith, and then we looked at how do I get faith. So today, we're going to do a holistic overview of faith, and we're going to list the four pillars or four main components of faith. And so when you think about it, any solid building or structure requires strong pillars or what we would call load-bearing walls. Any solid building structure requires that. And so it is with our faith. Strong faith requires four pillars to keep it stable and operational. And so this was a uh, this is just big block retail space, and we designed it into uh, what you see today. Uh, so in this particular space that you all are in right now, there are four pillars. So if you'll turn around, if you're in the front, you'll see two that are visible right here. Uh, one is protruding out the wall over there. You'll see it as kind of, they didn't do a great job with the drywall, so you'll see it kind of protruding out of the wall, should be hidden in the wall. And then the other one over here is, is hidden in the wall. And those four pillars are holding up this worship center, right? And I can remember because I didn't want the view obstructed for those that sit in the risers, I wanted these two pillars removed. And they immediately said, Pastor, if we remove those, the entire ceiling (laughs) will 
but we can remove them. We would just have to reinforce them with, I can't remember what the name of those were called, but it was some other uh, something that they would have to reinforce them. So he said, we can remove them, but it'll cost several hundred thousand dollars. And I said, okay, they'll be all right. We'll just put some TVs. We'll just put some TVs on, the, on those pillars. They'll be all right back there. Get there early so they don't have to sit in the riser, right? And so we saved a couple of hundred thousand dollars. But my point is this building, this edifice is only as strong as its foundation, right? Anything in life is only as strong as its foundation. And I want to encourage you all. You can build your life as tall and as wide as you want to. You can go as far as you want to in life with a strong enough faith foundation for whatever you want to do. You can be the best in the world at something. Nobody believed that on that side. But you can literally be the best in the world at something. There's no doubt about it, right? Faith gives us this limitless uh, ability and limitless opportunities to excel in life. Let's go back and look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Now, again, I won't spend a lot of time here because we talked about it on last week. But it says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. And again, that word faith there is pistis. So now we're talking about uh, the truth. We're talking about uh, the word of God, right? Because the word is truth. We're talking about conviction. We're talking about moral credence. So another way we could read that is without the word of God, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. Now that word believe there is pistio. And it means to trust. And so all God wants us to do before I go any further, he wants you to study and meditate the word of God long enough until you trust it more than you do your circumstances, which means you trust God more than anything this life throws at you. All right? Can you all see that? What he's saying is he that comes to me must trust me. So a lot of times we're coming to God but we're trusting us and not him. So we're saying, God, bless what I'm doing. But God said, no, do what I'm blessing. Trust me, and you'll find that mine will be better than yours. You all see that? All right, so he says, he that comes to God must believe that he is, that he is what it is that you're coming to him about, and you can trust him with the results of that. And that he is a rewarder. He's not a punisher. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The word seek means to search out and inquire. God wants you to know and understand everything about what it is you're pursuing. But I've got news for you. Even when he rewards you, the ultimate reward is not the husband, it's not the wife, it's not the car, it's not the house, it's not the things. The ultimate reward is your intimacy with God. What you found out through that journey was that God is who he said he is, and he can do exactly what he says he can do, right? And all God did was he used the things that he gave you to love you more, but he didn't give it to you to replace him. He gave it to you to draw you closer to him. Do you all see that? But he is the ultimate reward. And I want to really encourage somebody's heart in here today. If all you have is God, you have everything that you need. Because with God, it'll get you everything else that you're pursuing. Right? So let's keep traveling. So now, so that's Hebrews eleven six. So there are three words in here I want you to pay attention to. I want you to notice these three words. And if you had a paper Bible, I would tell you to underline these or highlight it. 
Who has a paper Bible? Boy, who, look at, boy, come on, let me see that paper Bible. Ooh, paper Bible saved. I like that right there. Do you all remember when you sit down and you highlight and underline? I would tell you to underline or highlight these three words. Faith must believe. Right? All in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. I would have you highlight faith must believe. See, and a faith that doesn't believe isn't faith. Right? So, if I say I believe the Word of God and then I don't trust God to do it in my life, how many know that's not faith? It's not real Bible faith, right? So, many Christians hope that God's promises will come to pass in their lives. Listen very carefully. But hope will not materialize through hope alone. Right? So, if all I'm doing is hoping that God does something for me, it will not manifest because I have not attached faith to it. Hope needs faith in order to bring about what it is that you're dreaming and envisioning for your life. I'll look at that. Let's go a little further. So now, let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Watch this. This will support what I just said. New King James Version says, now faith is. Now, one thing I want to highlight about faith, faith is always now. It's never tomorrow. It's never in the future. It's not faith if it's not now. If you're talking future, you're talking hope. You're not talking faith. So if you're saying God's going to do this for me, that's hope. If you're saying God's already done it for me, that's faith. And I continue to say that until I walk into what I'm hoping for. But I stay in the now if I'm going to stay in faith. Everybody clear? All right? We'll keep working with that and developing that. So now faith is the substance of things hoped for. So that's the raw material. It is the evidence or, or the essence of the things that I'm hoping for. And so that reminded me of uh, one time my son, I don't know, eight or seven, eight years old, we ordered him some kind of game for something he wanted to play uh, game, video games on. And uh, we were out, and so the post office had delivered it before we got home. And they left a little sticker on the door, right? How many of y'all have had that happen before? So my son was upset. Boy, he was like, can we go get it, Dad? Can we go get it, Dad? I'm like, it'll be there. It's not going anywhere, right? And let's go. Is it still open? So we get in the car. We go over. to come. I mean, you know, kids can be persistent, boy, right? And so we go over to the post office. But how many of y'all know you can't pick up a package if you don't bring that slip with you? So for the first time, I had heard the, the, the guy at the register said, do you have the manifest? And I'm like, the manifest? And of course, I'm saved. I'm like, the manifest? <laughs> That's a... so, so if you understand what I'm telling you here, folks, as long as we had the manifest, the package was right there at the, at the post office. It was in the back. But we couldn't get our package without the manifest. And so when we handed them the manifest, they went and got the package and brought it straight to us because we had to prove that the package actually belonged to us. I'm going somewhere with this. I wonder how many packages you all have sitting in warehouses, sitting in post office, waiting to be delivered, but you don't have the evidence or the manifest. See, and when I don't have the evidence or the manifest, I'm just hoping I'm not in faith when I can't tell God what he said about my situation. 
I'm telling you, you got houses and warehouses, legs, limbs, arms. Come on, somebody, hearts, kidneys. It's all kind of stuff in there just waiting on you to bring the manifest. Husband in there, wife in there. Come on, somebody. Everything that we will ever need that pertains to life and godliness, God's already provided it for. But the Scripture tells us it's through the faith. Hebrews 11.1. 1. So now faith is the substance of things hoped for. See, faith or the Word of God is the evidence or the manifest of things not seen. So even though I might not... See, it was amazing. My son wasn't even really taught this at this time. But I mean, you know, he knew it was there and it was his before he ever touched it. See, that's why we have to never lose our childlike faith. See, see, that word of God is the evidence, all the evidence that you need that what God said, even though you don't see it with your natural eyes, but you see it in the word of God, I mean, it's all the evidence that you need It's on the way. Come on, anybody believe that in here today? But you've got to build yourself and study that enough and meditate on that enough until it becomes alive and so real on the inside of you that it's just a matter of time before it's real in your life naturally, okay? So now, let's look at Romans chapter 4, verse 3, and let's follow uh, this train of thought. We're talking about the first pillar, faith must believe. Let's look at Romans chapter 4, verse 3. And it says here in the New King James Version, for what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Remember that word accounted it or credited to him. It's really an accounting term. It was accounted it to him or counted to him for righteousness. Let's go back and look at Genesis chapter 15, and I'm going to begin at verse 1. Even though it says 5 and 6 uh, in your outline, I'm going to start reading at verse 1 because I want to show you the character of your father. He's always going to work with you and keep working with you to get to you what it is that he's spoken about your life. Let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Verse 1 says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. So the word of the Lord came to Abram the first time, right? How many know the word of the Lord is the word of God, right? And so God speaks to him the first time, and he says to him, Abram, do not be afraid. Abram, I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Now, I didn't throw this out in the first service. I believe you all can handle it. The only reason God would tell him not to be afraid is because what he's showing him is so big that Abraham is going to be concerned whether or not he can actually do this. Folks, I'm telling you right now, if you can do it, you don't need faith. God is trying to show you some stuff that makes you scared, makes you afraid, makes your knees shake, makes you get to a place where, God, if you don't do this, it cannot be done. God is always bigger than what it is you're thinking and seeing. And if you're not seeing stuff that makes you nervous, you're not spending enough time with God. So God told him, don't be afraid. Look at verse 2. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless, 
And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus, right? Then Abraham said, look, you've given me no offspring. And indeed, one born in my house is my heir. So no one born in my house is my heir. You ever been there where God told you or showed you something and you started telling God all the reasons why it can't happen? Anybody raise your hand if you've ever done that before where God showed you and told you this and you started, but what about this and what about that? And you know I can't do that. I did that when God called me. I said, God, back then I used to say, God, nobody wants to listen to people like pastors with hair. True story. I was only 23 years old when I said it. 22, actually. And then I used to say, I don't speak like him. I don't do that like them. I gave God all the reasons why that's not me. How many know God didn't listen to any of them? <laughs> then all of a sudden, he made this hairstyle so popular. Look around the room right now. Look at all my brothers right now. Look at all. Look at all my brothers. Right. Look at all my clean hair, smooth brothers in this room. Stand up, clean hair, smooth brothers in this room. Look around this room. Boy, come on. Come on. Look at God. Boy, there's some good-looking brothers right there. So, so then God made it a fashionable hairstyle. So he took that excuse away, right? So all Abraham is doing is, is giving him excuses. Look at verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him again, saying, This one shall not be your heir. Speaking about Eleazar. But one will come from your own body, one that will come from your own body shall be your heir. Now, let me show you something about God. God will keep giving you, keep giving you word, keep giving you word, and then he'll actually give you a vision or show you what it is he's talking about. And if you meditate on it long enough, God, will, if you get in prayer, God will begin to show you exactly what he's talking about. Folks, this building is like that. You are sitting in a miracle right now. When we came at this, we didn't have the resources to get this, right? But that's why he said in Isaiah 55, he'll teach you how to buy things without money. Because whether you realize it or not, faith is currency. Somebody ought to shout right there. You missed a good part. So you're only looking at what you have, and you're not looking at what he has. Read Isaiah 55 if you think I'm joking. Read verses 1 all the way down. Not right now, but go home. When you go home and read, you'll see what I'm talking about. He said, I'll teach you how to buy things without gold. Is that the Bible? Well, then if you read it there, later on he talks about the word that goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return unto me void, but it'll accomplish and prosper in the thing, which means I can use faith and use my mouth as currency to bring to me things that my financial pockets can't afford. Somebody going to catch that next week. Somebody going to catch it when you're walking out to your car. It's just going to hit you like that. You have an aha moment, okay? Watch this now. Now look at verse 5. Then he brought him outside and said, look now towards heaven. See, he's giving him a vision of what he promised him. And count the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your descendants be. So, so he spoke the word to him twice. Then he went out and showed it to him. Gave him a vision of it, right? And then the scripture says, then Abram believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. 
Now, we're going to travel a little bit. I'm going to come back to that because we've been misquoting what makes us righteous. How many of you know I can confess all day long I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? I can confess that. But if I don't live that, I don't believe that. I'll prove it to you. Let's keep traveling. You all getting anything out of this? All right, let's keep going. All right, so now, so verse 3 in Romans chapter 4, I want to point something out here, and it, and it piggybacks on what I just said. In verse 3 of Romans chapter 4, it is his believing that was accounted to him for righteousness. He didn't say Abram was righteous. It was Abraham's believing that was accounted to him for righteousness. See, see, so, so when we obey the word of God, that's what makes us righteous. It's our obedience that makes us righteous. Is everybody clear? So, so I want to be clear there. So it is his believing that was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, this would have never came to pass in Abram's life if he didn't get to a place where he fully trusted God in that area. Everybody clear? And so it was that getting to that point that God gave it to him, and that's what made him righteous in that situation. Everybody clear? Let's keep traveling. You'll see it some more. Now, Romans chapter 4, verse 9. Let's look at that same thought a little further. I'm going to read verse 9 out of the King James Version. Watch what this says. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only, Jews, or upon the uncircumcised also, Gentiles, us? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. And what Paul is proving was that that process was available to all. Jews and Gentiles. And what process are we, ta- are we talking about here? Abraham heard God's word, right? And faith came into his heart, and then he believed. Watch this. So then God credited, it, credited that to him as righteousness, right? Heard the word of God. Faith came into his heart. He believed. God credited that to him for righteousness. You all see how this works? How do you know he fully trusted God? Because he got all out of all his ways of trying to do things. How many know for 25 years, Abram and Sarah was trying to make that happen on their own? All kind of different ways, right? But finally, it didn't take God 25 years to get Isaac to them. It took them 25 years to develop their faith to fully trust him. That's for somebody in here. I believe God wanted to do it the moment he spoke it. They weren't ready to receive it. So notice then, if it was just about being righteous and it didn't have anything to do with Abram's obedience, then God would have gave it to him when he spoke it. But it couldn't be credited to him until Abram got to a place where he fully trusted God. Do you fully trust God? Are you doing it your way? Are you doing it his way? Because he can't credit it to you until you fully trust him in that area. Everybody clear? All right, let's keep traveling. Good service today. Good group of people. Now, let's look at some things here. Genesis 15, 6. Let's keep following this thought. In Genesis 15, 6, we already read it. Abraham believed in God. So the first phase is always about do you want God or do you want the stuff? Because a lot of people want the stuff, but they don't want God. So the first phase of this is Abraham believed in God. Romans 4.3 says it this way, Abraham believed God. 
So see, remember, he that come to God, comes to God must believe that he is. The first purpose in pursuing God is to understand who he is and have an intimate relationship with him. First, it's all about intimacy before it's about stuff. That's the way marriage should work. See, we should get to know each other intimately before our bodies get to know each other. See, it's backwards when all I want is her body, and then I want to get to know you later. Right? But it's really I want to get to know her so then I can believe in her and trust her. Do you all see that? And how many of y'all know? I know I won't get a lot of amens for this, but I'm going to say it anyway. How many know I can get to know her better when our bodies aren't involved? I am in church, right? It's okay to let me try again because that was about, boy, that was like a, I, I said it's easier to get to know her when our bodies are not involved. Now what I'm falling in love with is her spirit and her mind. Come on, somebody. And who she is. And now I'm willing to marry her and her body becomes the icing on the cake. But I didn't marry her for her body. I married her because I wanted her. Then I got her body after marriage. But watch this. You take her body away from it, and I'm still going to love her. It's not going to impact our marriage. Because the reality is when she was physically six, our, our bodies weren't able to come together. I can think of a time where it might have been once or twice over a whole year because she's physically just not there. She was on the pup list. You all know what the pup list is? Physically unable to perform. That's called the pup list. Now, now how many of y'all know? I'm teaching you something here. That's when most husbands cheat on their wives. When they can't perform, something physically happens to them. Well, I submit to you, they didn't have nothing in the first place. If you left her when she needed you the most and did some stupid stuff like that, that's not a man, folks. That's still a boy. And he never grew up enough to become a man to understand the situation that he was in and then be her nurse, be what she needs you to be during her time because you never know when life will flip that on you and you might need somebody to take care of you. When you sow those kind of seeds, you'd be surprised. Won't nobody be there for you either when you need people the most if you're going to treat people like that. So with God, it's always about him and then stuff. And that's the way it should be in marriage, single people. In dating. Get to know each other without your bodies. Okay, if you, I'm going to say it stronger. I said, and, and when you're dating, get to know each other without your bodies. Okay, y'all going to keep pulling on me like that. The reason you don't trust anybody is because you've been doing that backwards. And now you think everybody like that. Everybody's not like that. Just the people you've been fooling with. So then all it does is weaken your trust, 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 weaken your trust. Then you don't trust nobody but yourself. But you don't trust yourself because you keep doing that stuff. See, you'll never trust you more than you trust God. So when you learn how to trust God, then you'll learn how to trust yourself. 
Somebody ought to, man, somebody ought to. I need about five or ten believers that just heard the truth to go ahead and give God some glory in this place for that. Because that's the truth. I don't care what the world is selling, a 90-day fiancé. No, man, I, I, don't go on that show. I'm, I'm telling you don't go on that show. Microwave relationships. Attacking each other's body as soon as we see. It was just an attraction that we had. It was instant. I'll define that for you. That's called lust. That's not called love. All right, let's keep going. You all still love me out there today? All right, so, so Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed in God. Genesis 4, 3, Abraham believed God. So real Bible faith always does both. Faith believes in God in his existence first, and then faith believes God, the word that he has spoken. Do you all see that? But it's always God first. All right, let's look at the second pillar. Second pillar is faith must speak. Let's look at Romans chapter 10, verse 10. Faith must speak. It's, it's not faith if it's not speaking. Romans 10, 10, New Living Translation says, For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So four letters under there, A, B, C, and D. Real Bible faith engages our mouth to speak words of faith. We are not saved until we profess our faith with our mouth by declaring Jesus Christ is the Lord of our lives. Believing alone is not enough. We must speak our faith with our mouth and declare what we believe. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. I'm going to read that out of the Passion Translation, and it says, For we have the same spirit of faith, that is described in the scripture. So that means Paul is quoting from somewhere where this was described. When it says, first I believed, and that word believe there is pistios. I got to a place where I fully trusted God, then I spoke in faith. That's when I spoke the word of God because I fully trusted it. So we also first believe, then we speak in faith. And so Paul quoted, quoted the psalmist in Psalms 116.10. We're not going to turn there. But that's what he's quoting for. That psalmist said that he believed and therefore he spoke. Then Paul turned around and said, we have the same spirit of faith, so we also believe and therefore we speak. So anyone who has real Bible faith will speak faith and declare what he or she believes, right? And we all understand that, right? If I'm a husband and wife and we're believing God for, for children, some husbands and wives will take the position, we're not going to tell anyone. We're just going to keep this to ourselves and, until it happens. Now, if God told you that, that's one thing. But, but you still, to yourselves and at home, have to be saying this out of your mouth on a regular basis. But it's something powerful about, you know, we're both believing God to have a child. And when we get around other people, we're always talking about that. You know, we're working on something. You know, we believe in God at any time. Now, maybe this time next year, we're going to have a little baby, a little healthy baby in our lives. And you're just always talking what you believe because you fully trust God to do that in your life. Right? And you, you apply that principle to every single area of your life. Whatever it is that you're believing God for, you are always talking about it. Because how many of y'all know your enemy will talk to you also? 
I mean, if Satan is always talking to you about it's not going to happen, don't tell nobody because what if you look stupid? What if it doesn't happen? What if it doesn't come to pass? Satan is always talking, right? Just like he did uh, with David. Uh, Goliath would come out for 40 days and say, send me someone so that I can feed his flesh to the birds. How many of you know when your enemy starts talking to you, you need to learn how to talk back to him, right? So David said, who are you, you uncircumcised Philistine? I'll cut your head off and feed your flesh to the birds, right? And you've got to have that about you, that when your enemy starts talking, you've got to talk back to him in faith, right? And sometimes God will dispatch ministering angels to help you along the way because the Word says that the angels or ministering angels hearken unto the voice of the Word, right? And sometimes your enemies, man, they'll surround you and crowd around you Sometimes it'll feel like it's seven of them on you at one time, and you got to summon your angels, right? You might be in a position where all of them are coming against you. You got to stop for a moment and say, what? Come on, somebody. You got to stop. Oh, no, you don't, Satan. I take authority over you in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. And if God has to, come on, they'll start swimming across the lake if they need to. They'll start jumping off of boats if they need to. Come on, angels will start coming from everywhere when you start speaking the word over your situation. You got to know how to summon your angels. How many of y'all know your angels are powerful? Come on, how many of y'all know you've got Gabriel, you've got Michael? Come on, when Daniel prayed, the scripture says Gabriel was held up, or uh, uh, Michael was held up, right? And he was fighting for 21 days just to get that answer to him. You've got some powerful angels on your side. You've got to summon them by speaking God's word. Some of y'all are like, what is he talking about? If you don't know, don't worry about it. But if you know, you know. And so three things here. Faith always says what God says. And faith always speaks the desired end result. Anyone who doesn't have faith will only speak the facts. Did you all hear what I just said? Anyone who doesn't have faith will only speak the facts. I don't make enough money to purchase that. I desire that, but I'm just not in a position right now. Seemed like if I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have no luck at all. <laughs> Stuff like that just never works out for me. So you're just destroying everything. There are no good men out here. Keep saying that. You're going to, boy, I'm trying to tell you, you're going to see how, you're going to meet some no good men, I promise you. There are no good women out here. Where do you get that from? That's not in the Bible. That's just people speaking facts from their experience. Everybody in my family gets sick. News come on. It's flu season. For who? That's not a season I found in the Bible. That's a, a season that the world 
and pharmaceuticals created to scare people. Let's look at Romans 4, 16 and 17. How many of y'all can think, think of just about some stuff you just say like out of habit? You just say it. Just, how many of y'all say, y'all ready to correct that though, right? Just, just say it. You know, we, we can never live in something like that. Why not? Romans 4, 16 and 17. The promise, passing translation, depends on faith. Watch this now. So that faith can be experienced as a grace gift. So the promise depends on faith. So all the promises are yes and amen, but they're dependent on faith. So the promise depends on faith so that it can be experienced as a grace gift. Now, again, everything in the kingdom works this way. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace through faith that we are saved. So faith didn't save us. Grace saved us. And our faith responded to that. See, see, if it was my faith that did it, then it's my works. Then I did something. No, I responded to what he did. I didn't go on the cross. He did. I wasn't raised from the dead. He did. So it was his grace that was extended to me that I, so grace came first. And then my faith responded to it. Everything in the kingdom works that way, right? It's not works. I'm not doing something to get God to do something. Watch this. I'm responding to what I believe God already did. There's a difference, right? Let's keep traveling, okay? So now, and now it extends to all the descendants of Abraham. This promise is not only meant for those who obey the law, but also for those who enter into the faith of Abraham, the father of us all. That's us. That's what the scripture means when it says, I have made you the father of many nations, ethnos or races. He is our example and father, right? And so what unites us is not our skin color. It's our faith in Jesus. So we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, regardless of color. And I'm looking for a day when we can worship with, with Caucasians, Hispanics. Come on, somebody. Latinx, Koreans. Come on, somebody. Asians. I mean, Chinese, where we can all come together and just worship God together. Let, teach us how to worship God in your culture. Haitian. Come on, somebody. Jamaican, Bahamian. They'll give us a little flavor up here. Come on, bring some steel drums on the stage. Boy, they'll boy, get it going in here. They'll get, they'll get it popping in here, right? And, and so all he's saying is he's the father of all of us, and we, we're the most segregated group of people in the world every single Sunday morning. White people go to their churches. Black people go to their church. I mean, we've got to learn how to live together and worship together, right? So he's the father of us all. That's what the Scripture means when it says, I've made you a father of many nations. He is our example and father, for in God's presence, he believed that God can raise the dead and call into being those things that don't even exist. So now watch this, four letters, A, B, C, D. God called Abraham a father of many nations long before Isaac was conceived. Long before Isaac was conceived, God called Abraham or Abram a father of many nations. Was God lying? No. What was he doing? 
he was operating in faith, right? So he was calling Abraham something before he ever became it. God calls those things that do not yet exist as though they did. Is he lying? Is it lying for me to say that this building is sold? Because in the natural, it's not. But in the spirit realm, it is. I declare that this building is supernaturally sold now. And I'm not lying. Come on, let me get that in your mouth. Say, this building is supernaturally sold now. Say it stronger. Say, this building is supernaturally sold now. Do y'all believe that with me? Come on, let's, let's go ahead and thank God in advance for it. Come on, let's thank God in advance for it. Because that's the one that unlocks the next one. Huh? Come on. Huh? Say it again. It, it might be a building. It might be something else. But it's big. Got a lot of stuff on it. Ready to go. I'm about to take a lap. Anybody want to run with me? I said, anybody want to run with me? Anybody got some lit? No, I'm just kidding. Were well, you ready, Ken? Were well, well, you ready, Ken? Come on, dog. One of these days, I'm going to just take off off this stage, boy. I promise you that. I promise you that. Huh? Now, see, that wasn't even faith, was it? That wasn't even faith. Ah. Yeah, that felt good, too. That felt good, too. That was a lap of faith. Did my baby run with me? Was my baby running with me? Come on and get with your man, girl. Ah. Why don't you start calling some things that don't yet exist in your life? Come on, start calling it in. Come on, do it by faith. Come on, call your son home. Come on, call your, your daughter home. Come on, call things that don't exist. Come on, I declare that my son is a man of God that lives for God, that loves God, that is on fire for God, that'll do great and mighty things for God. Hallelujah. He'll be sitting in here with me, ready to do wreak havoc on the kingdom of darkness. Come on and call some stuff in. Come on, start talking, start speaking. Come on, use your faith. All right, let's get through these last two. Third pillar. Faith must act. Faith must act. Let's look at James chapter 2. So faith must believe, faith must speak, and faith must act. James chapter 2, 14 through 18. Watch this now. What does it profit, my brethren, 
If someone says he has faith, but does not have works. Now that word works in the Greek just simply means an act or response, right? So I can't say that I have faith if my response is not taking me in the direction of what I'm believing for. Everybody clear? So I'm not, we're not talking about works. I'm doing something to get God to do something. No, we're talking about my response is to what I believe he's already done. And now my feet are taking me in that direction. Do you all see that? I am aligning my words and my actions with what I believe he's already done for me. Do you all see that? All right, let's keep traveling. So what does it profit or what does it gain, my brethren? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? The next verses answer that. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, do you not give them the things which are needed for the body? And what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it, is, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say in verse 18, you have faith and I have works. James says, show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Right? And so you have to always ask yourself, if I'm believing God for a godly man, why am I dating him? If I'm believing God for a godly woman, why am I dating her? If I'm believing God that I'm healed of diabetes, why am I eating things that give me diabetes? Hmm? I still love you, but I have to tell you the truth. So we can get all convoluted and confused out here. Just like this clip, Tonette, and I get it's a righteous indignation that comes on me. Pray for me. Somebody sent me a clip. Vince, you understand the passion, man. Somebody sent me a clip, and this pastor is standing up on behalf of all other pastors in this alternative environment, apologizing on behalf of the pastors who would not accept them. Man, listen to me, man. Speak for yourself. You certainly don't speak on behalf of all of the pastors because I don't believe that. My Bible still says when a man lies with a man as with, as with a woman, like a woman, that is an abomination to God. That's the truth yesterday, today, and it's going to be the truth forevermore. My Bible still says in the beginning, God made them male and God made them female. That's what God did, man. And let's just use common sense. And so if you think you're speaking for me, you're sadly mistaken. And if I ever see you, I'll say it right to your face. I will tell you, speak for yourself. Never speak on behalf of all the other pastors because we will never sell out to popular opinion. We will never sell out to the popular vote. Money can't buy nothing from where this truth is concerned. And let's just use common sense, folks. Let's just use common sense. If it wasn't for a male and a female, you would not be sitting in this room right now. 
because two males would not have produced you and two females would not have produced you at all. I'm not judging anybody. Live your life however you want to live, but let's not bring God down to our level. Let's make sure we come up to God's level. You are always welcome. You are always loved. You can always come to church, but it will never change the truth of the Word of God in my life. I will never bow down to somebody who just wants butts and seats, a large congregation, or big offerings. If me telling the truth costs me seats or butts and seats, if it costs me money, then so be it. Because as long as God is still with me, if God is is on my side, then what can man do unto me? If God be for me, then who can be against me? A thousand can come against me, 10,000 on my right hand, but it will not come near me because God is God, and if he doesn't change, then I'm not changed. Come on, I need some strong believers in here. Come on, somebody give God glory, but you don't understand. No, I do understand. God loves you, but he hates to sin. Don't you ever stand up and speak on behalf of anybody but yourself. You don't represent all pastors. Someone's faith can be dead faith if their actions do not correspond with the words they profess. See, so real Bible faith will always produce a corresponding action along with our believing and our speaking. Let's close here. It's 1220. Last pillar is here. Faith works by love. All right? So four strong pillars here. Faith must believe. Faith must speak. Faith must act. And when you're talking about believing, you're talking about obeying God. Faith must speak, and faith must operate by love. Let's read Galatians 5, 5 and 6. New King James Version says, For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of the righteousness which is by faith. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision, Jew, nor uncircumcision, Gentile, avails anything but faith working through love. So we're talking about here, when we walk by faith, we give love a high priority in our lives. Why? Because faith is always working through love. So if you understand that, faith works through love. Faith works through love or by love. That's how it works, right? Because if we're talking faith, we're talking God, and God is love. Everybody clear? Right? So faith works this way, right? Listen to the Amplified Classic in verse 6. For if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision counts, Jew or Gentile, for anything but only faith activated and energized and expressed and working through love. So if you look at what we're reading here, faith then is the activator, but love is the motivator. So you see, so in that word motivation is the word motive. I mean, God always will check your motives in terms of why are you believing him for something. See, do you want a bigger house just so you could whatever, floss or whatever? Do you want a bigger house to love and serve more people? 
and use that house to love people with. Do you all say, do we just want a bigger building just to say, we look at us, we got a bigger building? Or do we really want to feed more people? Do we want to have a better children's ministry? Do we want to have a better youth ministry? Do we want to have a special needs ministry that is second to none, anybody in the entire state of Georgia? That's why we want bigger is so that we can serve people better. All right? So kind of think about it this way. Think about it this way. Our phones are energized by electricity, right? And I, I like to think that, you know, a lot of things in the natural just mirror the spirit world. And so when this phone has a full charge, how many of y'all know it's operating exactly the way it was designed to operate? When that battery starts going out, how many of you know it'll let you know when it's at 20%? How many of you know your love walk will let you know when it's getting low? Because you'll get irritable, snappy. Mouth would get out of whack. Start cussing. <laughs> then when it get down to 10%, how many know you need to get back on the charger? <laughs> right? Build your love back up because the enemy will always send people and things to you to get you agitated, irritated, arguing out of love so he can get you out of faith. And if you don't wake up and rise up and understand what the enemy is doing, as soon as you start arguing and fighting, and, oh, that's what we're doing today. Oh, 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 not today. Today is not today. I don't think you want to bring that. See, as soon as you start all of that, you stepped out of love. And when you stepped out of love, you stepped out of faith. I know you can go off with the best of them, but that's not something to be proud of. They all know not to mess with me. That's not something to be proud of. You got to grow beyond that. Everybody in my family know if you brave, they already know. They don't mess with me on certain stuff. Really? That's what you want? That's, that's your reputation? There's some people sitting in here right now. Oh, they'll give it to you. Raise your hand. See, I didn't really want you to raise your hand. They back there. I didn't want you to raise your hand. I just said that. I didn't want you to go gangster on them like that. Right? But so, so again, what am I showing you here? Your faith is impacted by your love walk. So you want to be quick to forgive people, quick to have patience with people. You want to extend to people the same things that God has extended to you. I'm just going to stop right here. You all get anything out of this today? Okay. All the rest of the notes are, are in uh, your outline, okay? And so four things we talked about today, four pillars. Somebody tell me what they are. What's number one? Faith must believe. What's number two? See, I tell you how you know people. What's, what's number two? What's number three? Stop looking down at your notes. It should be in your spirit. What's, what's number three? What's number four? Faith works by what? Let's all stand to our feet. I want to pray for your love walk because I believe this is the one that a lot of Christians are challenged with. 
How many of y'all can admit I need to grow in my love walk? Raise your hand if you can admit to that. I need to grow. Look around the room so you can see that you're not by yourself, right? And, and, and not being a morning person is not an excuse to be mean to people. Now, you know not to talk to me in the morning. That's not an excuse to be mean to people. Ladies, just when it, because it's that time of the month, that's not an excuse to be mean to people. Now, you know how I get when it's that time. No, I don't. You can be sweet and hold that in. Right? All kind of different things we use excuses for to act ugly. I didn't have my coffee yet. Show me that. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. To develop in love, you must drink a cup of coffee first. See, all this stuff we use as excuses to act ugly. Now, it's not an excuse in the kingdom. All right, lift your hands to the Father. I want to pray for you. Father, as a church, help us to reflect more of your love starting from the pulpit all the way out into the children's church and youth department. Father, when people see us, let them see your love and help develop us in this area so that the world will know that we are your disciples because of the love that we have one towards another. So when the world sees us, let us lead. Help us to lead with love. In Jesus' name. Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we want to invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away, and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He died, rose from the grave, and He is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name, praise God. We are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations. We are so excited that you made the decision to get connected to God. Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit us at linkedupchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, view past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkedupchurch.com or text get connected to 94000. Thanks again for listening. Have an amazing week and we look forward to connecting with you.